0: back to the One Broke Actress podcast. My name is Sam Valentine. I am your host. Hi guys. Who would have thought that coming out of quarantine was almost weirder than going into it? I don't know about you guys, but I have felt super weird, like extremely anxious about going back to works and jobs and, and, you know, keeping a calendar. And I mean, nothing has really happened yet but i'm just kind of trying to navigate this space. So if you guys are listening to this and really unsure of what's going on in your immediate future, you're not alone. Um it's really it's almost weirder because you feel like you shouldn't be doing anything, but then you almost have to do some things. Am i making any sense at all? I don't know. It's weird. <sighs> Continue to wash your hands. I don't know. Hopefully something regulates soon. Um, I've actually kind of found a groove that I really enjoy. I've kind of found a schedule I like and I feel better than I have in months. I also have been feeling really good about doing a lot for One Broke Actress. So if you guys have noticed that the Instagram's kind of been different and we're kind of starting to rebrand and there's more articles and things like that, it's because this is what's really lighting me up right now. So if there is anything you guys want me to talk about or share on Instagram and stories uh, in a YouTube video, who knows, I'm down to do that. Just let me know what you're thinking about. Also, if you guys missed it, I now have an Amazon storefront. I had to apply to be an influencer. (laughs) Let me tell you, that was weird. But anyway, now that I have that, all of the products that I talk about that I use to self-tape or to do this podcast or, you know, like workout stuff or around the house things are now on my Amazon storefront. So you can just go and buy them straight from there. I think I get like 1% of what you buy. I don't know. It's pennies. But I just wanted to put it all in one place for you guys. That's not like a thousand links. So You can check that out in my Instagram along with any new posts that are going on there. Um, I think that's it for paperwork versions. Guys, if you haven't rated the podcast yet, come on. Rate, review, subscribe. Rate, review, subscribe. And then share it with your friends because we all are going to be in this for the long haul over the next Six months, year, I don't know, but we're gonna need each other now more than ever. So share this podcast with a friend, especially one who might be looking for a fantastic freaking manager. Which brings me to today's guest, guys. Matthew Kaufman of MRK Management actually found me because if you remember Leah Hubner's episode on headshots, she mentioned a fabulous gay manager who really gave her her start. And he heard the podcast, he reached out, and I could not be happier that I met him because he is a light He is the kind of person you want to talk to about your career. I felt so excited and invigorated after our conversation with the possibilities of the future, which is really cool because I haven't felt that in a long time. Matthew is hilarious. He is young. He is motivated and he is very realistic about what it takes to be a manager in this business. He's super open about talking about his side jobs, about how much it costs to be a member of breakdown services, about what it's like to actually handle talent. This conversation is super real, super personal, and I can't thank him enough for it. We also talk about things I don't know a lot about, like what actually goes in a pitch email from an agent or a manager for a role to a casting director, how hard it actually is to get your start as a rep in this business, kind of the the things that can sideline you, the money issues. It was incredible to hear these things. It's very similar to the issues that we go through all the time. Matthew really opens up about what it's like to represent his close friends, what his commonalities are with talent that's really stuck with him and done great work throughout the years and what he's looking for in new talent. He also talks a little bit about his brand consulting that he just started doing, his rebrand of his business, and also what he foresees for actors in the coming months. This is a great episode, you guys. I think you're going to love it and I feel like Matthew's going to be flooded with emails after this, so... Guys, without further ado, please enjoy Matthew Kaufman of MRK Management. All right, cool. Let's, chat. Oh my God, let's do it.
1: <laughs>
0: I feel like I already kind of know you because we got to talk on the phone yesterday, uh, which was lovely. Um, yeah, but right? will you tell me a little bit about how you got into management as a business?
1: Yeah, um, you know, it kind of fell in my lap, I would honestly say. Um, so I've been in L.A. now for seven years, like I think seven going on eight maybe, and uh, I'm from Chicago, um, and I went to school in, in Michigan, Michigan State, and after spending some time in Chicago being an actor, like I graduated um, with an acting degree, um, I just kind of fell out of acting. It just wasn't really inspiring any me, it was inspiring me anymore, it wasn't really my passion, so... My other degree was in p r and advertising, so while I was in Chicago, I worked for a boutique p r company. I worked for a a top chef celebrity chef. I worked for different nightlife and hospitality venues and by the time I was kind of done with Chicago, I was like, mm, I think Los Angeles is gonna be the thing for me. I don't know why I don't know what's making me feel that, but there's something energetically that's calling me there. I so felt like all of these tools I had were, had monetary value in Los Angeles. Like, I'm like, I need to be working in entertainment. I know that's going to work out. So when I moved here, um, maybe like a month or two months after living here, I went to the Universal NBC showcase with a friend of mine from college who's a total spiritual gatekeeper. And every time I'm around her, something magical happens. And I (laughs) happened to sit down next to this older woman and started chatting with her. And it turned out she was a talent manager. And then it turned out that she was from a town like 10 minutes down the street from my house. Hmm. And uh, we just had so much in common. And she was like, I was like, you know what? I'm thinking of maybe being a talent manager. And in my head, I was like, well, you know, all my friends are actors and all I know is actors and I know business for actors. So maybe that would be the right decision for me. And she's like, well, I'm looking to bring on somebody. So why don't you come over to my home office and we can chat. And that was like four months. Now it was like, four months after I'd moved to LA and she was like, why don't you just start here? You can, I can teach you the ropes. You know, I really need some help signing youth talent, which really wasn't what I was looking for, but I was like, Hey, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and she basically just like turned me into a manager and I learned kind of all of the little nooks and crannies of the beginning of the, of the industry from her. Um, and next thing you know, I just started signing all my friends. I was like, oh, okay, let me sign this girl. And she's, I've known her since the first day of college. And let me sign my other friend, Caitlin, and she's from college. And um, let me sign my roommate, who I'm living with now, because he went to, got a Zemaphane acting. And then that just kind of like started to grow and grow and grow. And um, then were you signing I, them?
0: Were you signing them to the agency you were working with or were you signing them to personally yourself?
1: Yeah. To the management company that I was working with. Yes. So then they became my clients and I was splitting commission with her and, then I was also like servicing her clients at the same time. So I was learning and submitting breakdowns and then I scouted two youth talents and one went really far in the time that I had him and I booked like the first booking I ever got was the blackish pilot. Wow. And it was crazy because that happened like right after I started managing and it was this breakdown that was completely obscure. It was just like tour guide. No breakdown, no description, no gender, no race, no age specificity. And I submitted my first client, Michelle, who's my friend from college, and she oh, booked yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, we're from, I'm familiar. I'm familiar with Michelle. Uh,
1: yeah, 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 Okay, yeah. Michelle has been like with me since day one. She, I call her my original muse because we've oh, known yeah, each other that. since literally the first day of college theater class. Like we played wow. Riff Raff and Magenta in college together
0: this is crazy that is so crazy i'm curious i'm gonna take you a little off topic for a second How is because i think sometimes people are afraid to work with their friends um and so managing your friends does it ever get complicated because you still have a lot of these clients so is it still does it ever get weird that they're your friends or does it make it better how does it work
1: yeah you know it's a little bit of both um When I first started, it was like, okay, where am I going to find clients? Okay, well, I'll do my friends. And that was before I was really like much further along in my career and in my business when things were getting a little bit more serious. And I was bringing on more clients, and then they were part of the more clients. Um, But You know, and in in time, I've learned the lesson of kind of, like, don't sign your friends. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like my first client friends that I signed are my rock-solid clients, and then since then, I really haven't signed anybody that's been, like, a friend friend, because then you kind of feel like you're doing a favor instead of being like really passionate about that person. Now, if I had like a friend that I was super, super passionate about, I'm like, I don't know what, what we're waiting for. Like um, I'm going to get you to work. That's a different story, but it's, it's easier to not have that deep friendship relationship with your client because you know, when things get stickier when you have to lay down the law or you have to like be kind of strict with them about their tape you know you have to balance like okay you're my friend and I love you and I respect you and I'm here for your creative journey but at the same time I'm running a business and I need this level of quality and I know this isn't gonna get past so it's like that's a delicate balance I think I for my friends that I have that are my clients, we talk about it a lot. And I Mm -hmm. think we've really through, you know, the people who are my friends I've been representing now for like five years. So we've really worked on what that relationship is. Mm -hmm. Um, And also just in general, for me, I do feel like I I'm pretty good at separating the difference between friends and business. It seems really hard But you know, at the end of the day, if my job as a manager is to get them out, well, and I need to know everything about them, well, I'm going to know everything about my friends. I'm going to know everything about how to submit and pitch them and position them in the best way I'm gonna know what the best work that they do so I think it's a double-edged sword I think I've I've certainly learned I've certainly had friends that I signed that I had to go back and just be like I can't be your manager I'm so sorry like Mm -hmm. I, I just don't think this is the right business decision for us because we're such great friends and I don't think we're necessarily in line as business partners But then you have the friends that you are in line with as business partners. And then that has turned into really magical relationships for
0: me. Cool. And what an interesting thing
1: right? I wouldn't highly recommend it, but through, okay. my, <laughs> through my experience of just meeting managers all over the place, not even just in film, but also in, in other performance uh, aspects, there's a lot of that. A lot of people are like, oh, my friend turned into a manager. It's very much the entourage situation where he so was Adrian Grenier's <laughs> manager. Like, it's, it's sometimes... Times with my friends, it kind of seemed like that's what's going on.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. So when did you decide to, to break off and become your own management company? Because that had to be a big, a big choice.
1: Yeah, it was huge. I, I still am, like, I still, like, I'm like I was talking to you yesterday, I still a little bit feel like I'm recovering from that situation, but also, like, still working on owning my power in that. That happened um, about two years to the date uh, today, and... Um,
0: Happy two-year sh- anniversary.
1: <laughs> thank you so much. I mean, woo! There's no <laughs> coming down, but it's a nice time to, like, sit in at- sit and reflect about that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so I worked, after I worked for that woman for a year, I decided to leave and expand and, like, kind of grow in, in my own way, and I joined a company where I was at for three and a half years, and I really was given the opportunity to build an adult department from that company. They really didn't have much of one. They were mainly focused on kids and youth. So when I got there, I said, I'm not focused on kids. That's just like not what I'm passionate about. So they really gave me the free reins to start building. So then I really started to go out and scout actors, and I was doing those like five manager workshops, which we can talk about later because those are so exhausting. And Great, so, I love
0: to talk about them.
1: And yeah. so not real, and and that was a learning experience for me. And um, you know, I was just signing and signing and signing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of my time there, I had three actors on pilots. Um, I had an actor who I, I had a on, uh, exclusive contract with CBS. I had booked actors in huge studio feature films. I booked like five actors in one year on Geico commercials, which was crazy. I know I, it was like I was doing all of these great things, but it was kind of covered by this company. So I felt like um, you know every time you always have to level up and do the next thing. So after you know some things went down, I decided. I really thought I wanted to work for other companies. Like I wanted to make this next big step. I thought I with three actors on pilots and some of the pilots were really hot. I also one of my actors was recognized in the Hollywood Reporter as being ABC's most rewarding casting find. Wow. During this pilot yeah, it was it was wild. It was like all of these things, these great things were raining down on me during this pilot season, but I was so stressed because I had I knew I needed to leave and I knew I I needed to get out of my situation and I really wanted to level up in my own career. Um, So I fortunately just had some mentors in my corner that were, I was really blessed with and really saw me and were supportive and were like, why don't you, after interviewing for a bunch of companies, none was really, nobody was really offering me a job slash I wasn't really interested in anyone. It just, nothing spoke to me as a human, as an individual and I think I was a little too focused on like, oh, get that Beverly Hills office, get that desk, get that assistant, get that life, which is so not who I am mm-hmm. and so smoke and mirrors to really what Hollywood is. And I totally fell for it. So then I just decided, you know, I meditated on it. I got Reiki treatment on it. Like I literally did all of the things to help me find clarity. <laughs> in, and, and like, those are that's some crazy story. I love um, it. But I left, I just decided to leave against a lot of words of others, but also like, you know, learning that my body, you can feel in your body, and I think actors can really relate to this, or anybody who's energetically connected. When something is not right, you can feel it. Your hair's falling out. Your skin's breaking out. You can't sleep. You're gaining weight. All of these things are your body reacting to stress or struggle. It's like internal literally struggle.
0: everything you said is what everyone's doing right now in quarantine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yes, true. Yes, true. And as I'm like, I'm like, my hair is falling out. I just shaved my head. Um, so yes, yeah, so, you know, I decided to leave. I decided to go on my own and just see what happened. And, you know, when I, when I left, I had no money and I had no other job prospects. Oh, starting my own company was something I never in a million years thought I was going to do. It was never something I thought I was interested in. Mm-hmm. I never saw myself. I was always like, we're for a company and get a great base salary and great commission and get all of that taken care of compared to like here I have to create all of that and start it all but I think what what it was was I was most fearful of that journey and obviously on the other side of fear is your biggest success and the things that you actually want so I took that lesson for myself and you know, it was hard. I, I had no money. I had no job. So I got two serving jobs. I was mopping floors literally during the day at a bakery. And at night I was working at a restaurant in West Hollywood while also like click clacking on my computer and building a company. Um, and, I feel like this and focus-
0: is what we don't hear about is like reps going through the same struggle that actors go through.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, and I've had these conversations. Many reps who've started their company, it's the Steve Jobs factor. They start from their kitchen table. They start from their garage, you know, and it's not pretty because we only work on commission. So, you know, it takes a few years for like those commissions to kind of start collecting and coming back that you can create a life for yourself that's sustainable. And at the beginning, it's like, okay, well, I'm not getting breakdowns yet. So how do I even get clients to book on projects to then make money? And then how does that money even get to me? You know, so
0: Is a lot of, to get access to the breakdowns. I thought once you register as like a rep where you can purchase them,
1: it was very difficult. You know, I think mm-hmm. it took me like two months before I could get them.
0: How do you because do they, up to file paperwork? How does that work?
1: yeah you have paperwork they ask for references they ask for your history like they want to know that the people at breakdowns want to know that you're not an actor and you're not an actor that's going to get these because even when I first started managing, I would have actors that would email me the full breakdowns and be like, oh, I should go out for this. And I'm like, how are you getting these breakdowns? That's illegal. I, apparently there was somebody on the street that was like selling breakdowns to people. Yeah, like, blacklist
0: breakdowns. Yeah,
1: so. But and they that they me you, they'll
0: sue you for like so much money. It's outrageous. It's the Well, craziest. as they
1: should, because I'm paying, you know, a lot of money to get those breakdowns. You That's know?
0: valid. That's true. I hadn't thought about that.
1: And that's a big part of overhead. So it's like, okay, so how do you get that? And um, yeah, it was a big process. I think at first because I had you know old company members who were like, oh yeah, he's not a manager. I kind of got... <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was tough. It was definitely tough. So I, but what was the most beautiful part about it and what I'm so grateful for is I had so many contacts in the entertainment industry that vouched for me and we like, you, this kid needs breakdowns. He's an asset to the entertainment industry. He's an asset to Hollywood. I can, I've worked with him for three years. So it was like people came out of the woodwork to help me. So that was like this other beautiful part of this journey. You just really find out, what you've done for yourself and the relationships you've created for yourself. And I think when you're working for somebody else, it's easy for them to take all of the credit Mm -hmm. and you feel like, Oh, I only accomplished this because I was given this house in which to create when it's like, no, I created all of this within this house for myself. And so, you know, let me take that. Let me own that. Let me feel good that I did that. And, I just kept telling myself, you know, one week's going to be different, two weeks going to be different. Put your head down and work, you know, pay your rent late, just wait to pay your rent. Another (laughs) quarantine theme that we're experiencing. Uh You know, I maxed out my credit cards and then, you know, it was, it was very hard. I had, I fortunately had a lot of friends that were just there for me and, a lot of clients that stuck by me during the time and took the chance on me, which I'm I'm so blessed. Some clients left in that period and um, you know you can't keep all of them. But I always told the clients that stayed, I was like, I'm gonna make it worth it for you. Trust me, I've worked so hard for you. The only way I'm gonna come on top of this is if I keep working hard. Um, And so now two years later, things are fantastic. And I think I'm probably at the best part of my life so far. Everything feels right. I have amazing relationships. I have amazing clients that are just exceeding my expectations of them. I'm, I'm just so happy that I made that decision and, and chose to go down the difficult path because I think the rewards have come back um, double. <laughs> That's not the best way of saying that. but
0: Yeah. No, I know. understand. That's amazing. I want to – I, I kind of want to talk about uh for the next, like, little bit, like, normal things, and then we'll yeah. get into, like, quarantine, post-COVID, like, life, because I also want to hit on, like, what we think the future looks like. So yeah. I definitely want to talk about your management style. So I've had several managers. I'm, like <laughs> – I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm very good at, like, knowing when things are done and breaking up with people and, like, it's a style I've established. i like, this isn't working. Um, as a manager, what makes you stick with an actor? Do you, like, you get inspired? Obviously, you want to send them in auditions, but do you do more than that for your clients? Because I'm always curious, like, what what makes a good manager?
1: Yeah. Um, great question. I really think I am a hybrid, I do everything manager. And I've always had that viewpoint. You know, on, on the basis of like, what do I do? Like, I submit on all the breakdowns and I'm pitching aggressively, pitching aggressively. You know, I have a lot of friends who are constantly asking me, well, my manager doesn't pitch my manager only lets the agent pitch. Well, at the end of the day, it's a team, right? And every team should be bringing in as many opportunities as possible for the client. And um, I have my own relationships with casting directors and agents have their own casting relationships. And I may see my actor because I know them so well on such a personal level that, oh, I know that they can do this role because I saw them play it in college or I went to a, a play that they did or I've seen their sketch that they did that I know they can do that. Whereas an agent You know, I mean, all agencies are different, and I work with some amazing agents that really know their clients, but on a lot of agents that I've worked with up until this point, you know, they have so many actors, Mm -hmm. and those actors are playing stock characters, so they're getting plugged in. Um, So what I try to do is I try to be hyper-focused. You know, I, as a manager, I sign actors, and I really try to find, you know, what is your niche in this market in this entertainment industry you know specificity is everything and especially when you're starting off as an actor you know you have to realize that you're really going to be going out for those kind of one-line co-stars and just trying to cut your teeth and start building a, a resume so it's it's finding out okay what's your voice. Goal- And what's the casting director that's doing that voice similar to yours? And what's the tone of the show that you're going in? And are you playing edgy, young contemporary? Or are you more um, highbrow and can speak more of an educated kind of delivery? And... And being really specific on that is what I help. And then I kind of try actors to, I submit them for everything. I submit actors for everything and anything. I'm not only, if you're a comedy person, I'm not only going to submit you to comedy. What I have found that comedy actors are kind of sometimes the best because they can do everything. Yeah. Um, some act, Sometimes actors that only focus on being dramatic, you know, when comedy comes around, they just have a meltdown. So, you know, <laughs> actors here at comedy they're like kind of ready to challenge everything. Um, you know, my job is to find agent representation for my clients to, you know, put them in a great agency and if if they down the line have problems with that agency, help them, you know, find a new representation. Um, Headshots, I'm constantly working with people on. I'm strategizing people on materials. I'm looking for opportunities, like go to this event. This event's going to put you around a bunch of writers that are, because I also know that you love to write. So maybe that will lead you towards something. Um, That's amazing.
0: I I feel like that's a lot of information.
1: I constantly am trying to find any avenue, because as a manager, manager I represent every client um, throughout their entire career. So not just on theatrical. I represent them on commercial and voiceover and maybe print and modeling. And depending on what they specialize, maybe they're a writer and they have like, a feature film that they're trying to get in front of people. Well, writing isn't necessarily my specialty, but I can navigate and meet people to get them in front of those writers. Um, You know, and then it's a lot of advice. It's a lot of therapy. It's a lot (laughs) of, um, you know, talking to people and, and, and finding out how people feel. You know, I think one of the biggest things, this is probably one of the biggest things. So many actors are scared of their reps. And so many actors, you ask them, what's going on with your manager? And you're like, I haven't talked to my manager in three months. Or, oh, I don't know. My manager sent me out for this, but she said she's really busy. Or he said he's really busy. You know, I think it's crazy that you haven't talked to your client in such a long amount of time. Every manager, I think, should be 100% accessible to their client all, all the time. This is what I think of it is like, okay, this is my job, this is my career, this is my company, this is how I'm going to make money from this. My job is to be available 24-7. Mm-hmm. It has its downfalls, and sometimes you do have to put, you know, some boundaries up, but, you know, when an actor needs you, an actor needs you, and, an actor needs support. They need to know they have somebody that's in their corner. They need to know that there's a strategy in place, that they're going in a direction, and they're just not off in the abyss, because then they get lost, and then they don't feel like they're going, they have purpose, or that things are happening for their career. And then, you know, the sabotage starts coming in. They yeah. don't think that they're going in the right direction. Oh, well, this isn't happening, and my, my agent isn't submitting me, and... I mean, it just is like this house of cards that falls. But if there's constant, <laughs> right? But if there's constant communication and there's love coming from my side, but also being you know, direct and also being business oriented, I think that's another thing is me really helping them see what goes on our side of the table. A lot of times actors don't connect like, okay, I go into the room and I do a great job. Okay, so I'm gonna get the part. Babe, there's a lot of other players in play and you did your part, but now it's up to 10 other people to do your part. And hopefully we hope that they're in your favor. So I think that that's a big thing because so many times like actors, they just don't know because nobody talked to them or told them about things.
0: Yeah. I feel like there's a, there's often a, um, sorry, I have three dogs.
1: <laughs> there's no, often
0: no. a, uh, <clears throat> a big gap in, communication past audition and booking. And then it feels like that's when you're supposed to talk. I feel like early on, especially you're taught to talk when you're going to make money kind of a thing, right? Like if you're not making money, you're not an asset, that kind of a thing. So it's hard to approach her up and be like, Hey, how are you? Or like, how do you, what's a good way to maintain connection and conversation that's not all about Where are my auditions? Where are my bookings? Because I think that's where a lot of actors get come from sometimes because they don't connect with their reps. Yeah,
1: well, it's also like, okay, when you sat down with your rep and met in the first place, what was the main thing that you're always going to connect about something other than the industry, right? You're going to have a spiritual connection. You're going to have dogs that you're going to connect about. You're going to be watching the same TV shows. You're going to come from the same city. You know, we are humans. and. You know, like me, like I'm still working at a restaurant. I graduated from the same college you did with an acting degree. Like I've been out here on the hustle for just as long as you have. We have so many things in common. Mm-hmm. So I think when you're picking up the phone and or emailing and you only want to talk about business and you haven't talked, like sometimes, you know, sometimes it's nice when rep's like, hey, Or someone calls me and they're like, hey, I just saw this. This is a great TV show. Have you been watching this? I don't necessarily want to be on it, but I don't think this is for me, but this is fantastic. I mean, I think it's fear. I think ultimately the common denominator is fear. If you are fearful of what you can talk about with your manager or like, okay, well, what do I bring up that comes off in like a tone that doesn't make them seem that I want something or that I'm needing, like, that's just too much. That's overthinking it. Just like, you know, be open, be present, be positive. And, you know, a manager knows if they're not getting you work. A manager knows if they're not having success. I have a lot of, I have a a great handful of clients that, you know, for the first three years of me representing them, they haven't booked anything. And then on the third year, they book back-to-back co-stars in a huge national network commercial. Or three years later, they book a recurring guest star on a huge pilot. Like these are. These are true stories, so it's really a long game. What I've learned, I've like, there's there's clients that I've maybe let go or didn't bring with me to my company that I'm like, oh, I should have held on to them, and and because it's such a long, because then they end up booking something big. Um, but it's a long game. It's an investment. A manager, I think, I think also people are so used to like, okay, you signed me for a year and a half, and like there's a four month out clause, so you can get rid of me or I can get rid of you instead of realizing, okay, this is a long-term investment. Things do not happen like this in this mm-hmm. now. So if you create a relationship with your rep where they know that you're not a jumper, where they know that you are in it with them and you're gonna, you know, obviously we wanna get you to work, but you're also patient in the process. I think that develops a good relationship with the rep because you don't think that every time Time the person's calling they're either gonna complain or they're gonna pull the cord on you or you know uh it's it's hard I think ultimately it's just like you know just be a human don't be scared we're we're all in the it's very pandemic conversation but we're 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 all in this we're all a team we're all in this together when you win when I win that's that's been the fun part about representing uh talent that's also like my same age and graduated college the same year as me or on the same come up as as me is like when you win i win when i book somebody on somebody you're gonna win because now i can get you in that room when you book a recurring guest star or a huge show that's gonna be great because now everybody's gonna be looking at my clients Mm. you know and Mm -hmm. when that other client does that now i can get you in that room so easily because i already won like it is I, I see it as a completely mutual relationship that we are coming up together whereas I think a lot of you know managers or agents are, hold their power over the actor feel like you need me I'm the end be all of the gateway to the industry and I've just never found that effective of getting the best work from anyone really
0: I mean yeah who works well when they're scared I mean I work well on a deadline <laughs> but now when I'm terrified I work
1: you- well on a deadline too Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah we need them so bad right now Um, working with agents, I'm curious, do people often get double submitted? Like if there's a role that comes out and you're like, oh, this client would be great for that. And they also have an agent. Do you always clear it with the agent before you submit them? How does that work?
1: Um, you know, I, I kind of work individually on my side and I submit and then the, the agent goes on their side and they submit. And okay. like, sometimes an agent will be like, hey, we submitted them here, let's double team them on this. Mm. So then okay. they're gonna pitch and then I'm gonna pitch because now we've got two emails in that inbox and maybe they're not listening, the casting director doesn't really listen to that agent or maybe that casting director doesn't really listen to me or I don't even know that casting director. But either way, we're gonna double team them. So there isn't this like thing of like, oh, they've been double submitted. That is so annoying. So now we're going to cancel them out because they could have submitted you at different times, mm-hmm. which could pop up differently on breakdowns. They could have, the people who are getting the breakdowns could submit um, or could change, the casting directors can change to be alphabetical that they're looking at what rep sent it. I just so, learned
0: about this on a podcast I did earlier this week about how like, cause we're all told like have a slate shot. It brings you to the top. And the casting yeah. director was like, no, I order mine however I want to. <laughs> I exactly. <was> like, okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, it makes no sense. Like, it could be alphabetical, it can be time, it could be by rep, mm-hmm. you know, some, some some casting directors might just look at their favorite reps first before they start seeing who they submit compared to seeing everyone else. So if you happen to be a rep, that's kind of got win, 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 back to backs with that casting director, chances are they're going to respond to your email or submission more. I mean, there's been plenty of times where I've submitted my client, I've pitched the client and then the, and the casting director is great. Look out for the audition. It's going to come through the agent and then the agent gets the appointment or a lot of my work has been through my submissions and my pitch and I know client on it. And I had a conversation, but the agent got the audition. So sometimes it's just like, they'll see the double submission and they just choose where to route it.
0: Got it. Um, got it. Got it. But
1: I'm submitting on it. No, it doesn't. I mean, that's the whole point of having, you know, a larger team and having two people on your team. Everybody's bringing something different to the table. Yeah. And my favorite relationships are the ones where we're like, okay, I'm on this. I'm talking to this executive about this pilot right now for NBC. This role came out. Do you have anybody there? I was like, oh, I actually went out to cocktails with him the other night. So why don't I call him up and, and see what's going on for that? Like, everybody has strengths. And, and having a team that just works like a tight knit, like then you're going to book something. Something big is going to happen, and then we can start focusing on what comes after that.
0: What's usually in those pitch emails? Mm,
1: It's super short. Mm -hmm. super short, and that's something that I'd recommend for actors listening if they're pitching for reps. Like, keep it short. We know what the email's about. You're trying to get (laughs) reps.
0: I heard a saying recently, and it was, be bright, be brief, be gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's true.
1: It's totally true. I mean, I say hello. I say um you know i'm trying to in in not the same words but i want this actor i submitted this actor for this role on this project i give them two quick sentences about you know if they book something or what they're working on or what their type is like if they're scraggly smart ass tomboy or you know plus size midwest model or um you know, I have a kooky, quirky Carol Kane, Judy Greer type. Like trying to give a little bit of a specific moment, and then I just link their reel and link their actors access page. And you know, you just hope that they respond to you. I've I've been really lucky that a lot of my pitches are getting responded to. Um, you know, another thing is is like the phone call versus the email pitch. Mm-hmm it really varies. I think we're now living in a time where people don't want to be talking on the phone. Like if somebody's calling you, like if you're sitting here and your phone starts ringing, like the chances of you picking up that phone (laughs) is like, it's so invasive almost, let alone if somebody FaceTimes you. Oh my God. All these
0: rogue FaceTimes I'm getting during quarantine. I'm like, a girl needs some notice.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I've had to like put my just phone away because I'm like, okay, now that we're on quarantine does not give you permission that like every Day, we have 15 Zoom hangouts oh God, or happy I know. hours. <laughs> I know. But you know, you call a casting office, and what do they say? Okay, great, we're not there at that role yet. Or, okay, email us. So I feel that email is the most non-invasive invasive way of contacting somebody. And if you have a really personal relationship with that casting director, or you know that casting director well, and you've got somebody who's like the exact wit and you just know that person's going to be a part, yeah, pick up the phone.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: most chances are they're going to say, email me because they don't have time to be talking on the phone. They've got to get through this breakdown. They've got production calls coming in. They've got all the other agents calling them. The same agent that picks up the phone and calls them every single day about the same actor for every single breakdown that comes out. Like, you don't want to be known as that rep. And, you know... I've also found that, like, when I email, 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 and then they call me for something, it's like a delight because then I'm finally, oh, hey, this is my voice. It's so nice to meet you. How are you? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. You know, compared to being known as the voice that is like, oh, this person's on the phone with me
0: again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay, that's, that's really good to know. I agree, I think it's, well, whenever people write me something, some insane questions on Instagram sometimes, and I'm like, this is long, but do you wanna email it to me? And then I have to see it. <laughs> I can snooze it till the weekend when I have time to answer it. Um, right. When you are looking for new talent, let's talk about that because that is, actors have such a hard time sometimes getting that first rep. It feels like such a big first accomplishment. Where do you find new talent? And then also let's talk about workshops.
1: Yes, definitely. You can start with um, workshops
0: if you want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start with new talent. um Since I am looking for new talent at this time,
0: oh, um, you're going to get a lot of emails when this podcast comes out. Oh yeah, hit me up. Hit me
1: up. <laughs> I'm looking at everything right now. You know, for me, at the end of the day, it's a gut feeling and like a spiritual connection with talent.
0: Okay. And how do you, when does your roster get too big? Like, how do you know when you're ready to look for new talent? Also, I want to
1: start. Uh, with- I would probably say you're ready for I'm usually ready for new talent when I've I've worked through a lot of the problems and figuring out of my client that I'm like okay now we know where your market is we've got you auditioning you've booked things before I figured you out we've figured out your materials and um the strategy is in place you're cool. kind of it's not that set it and forget it mentality but it's like a set it okay you're set I've got you up and running and we know where the direction is. Obviously the direction is going to pivot at any given moment, but it's like, okay, we don't have to do all of that very beginning hustle work that, you know, it it takes about a year and a half to really get into, into the swing of things Mm -hmm. truly. So, and then it's like, okay, well, who, what, what places am I missing? What, where do I feel like, oh, I know I could get this kind of talent in, but I don't have that kind of talent particularly right now I'm doing really well with 18 to 30 year olds. That seems to be kind of my sweet spot. so then it's like, okay, well, let me now enter this energetic field where I'm open to receiving uh, clients, that I'm open to anyone that comes across my desk, that I'm open to meeting people, and allow to see what happens. I, I have found when I go out and I'm seeking talent or I'm on that hustle to sign, 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 it just doesn't work out because I'm pushing. And I have had my spiritual medium, Steffi, tell me that I- love that. I, uh, she's told me that things are going to work out best for me if they come to me instead of for me going to them. So I really try not to be overtly aggressive on finding talent or signing people. I feel like the people who I'm meant to represent are going to find their way to me. And I'm confident in in the work that I've done that, you know, a lot of my talent comes from referrals and I'll, I, I will be like, I won't even know that I was looking for that kind of talent. But then they across my desk and the creativity sparks, the gut sparks, and I see their work and I'm like, oh yeah. And we sit down for a conversation and they're smart and they're business savvy. And we were kind of talking about this yesterday. They've done their time here in LA where they took their time to figure out who they are, how they fit into a life in Los Angeles. They've figured out how their money is, how to get work. You know, they've gone through the ups and downs and aren't just like brand new to the city and haven't lived experiences like I can't it's hard for me to connect with people who haven't really lived a life yet Mm -hmm. Um, because next thing you know you're going to be representing them through a giant crash and they're going to leave and go back to Los Angeles or go back to home or that's the other thing I I try to find people who are settled in their lives who are like okay I know that this is going to be a lifelong journey I think we were talking about this with school. You get out of school and you think immediately you need to accomplish your five-year plan. So people are like, okay, in year two, I'm going to be on a show. In year three, I'm going to be on a Broadway show, which was one of my goals. (laughs) Um, That didn't happen, thank God. I was supposed Um, to be
0: reoccurring on a show at year three, too, so i I feel you.
1: (laughs) You know, and and we don't know any better than, to. and I mean, yes, that could happen to somebody, but realistically, no, it's the step-by-step process. So I, I don't know what brought me to that, but it's like getting out of school and learning to be a human and learning to how you fit into this world and then how you see acting as a part of that Having that dialogue and being able to talk to me about that shows me so much maturity in who you are as an actor and as an artist, mm-hmm. shows me that you're gonna be able to make it the long journey, that you're gonna be ready for the ups and the downs. And trust me, there's so many downs. Like. I mean, you think the rejection for you as one actor is a lot. Just think that while I'm telling you that you didn't get it, I just told three other people that they got released from their pin, that they didn't book the test, and that they got edited their guest star got edited out of the episode. So, And that has all happened to me in a day, I swear. Oh, God. So, you know, the rejection's out there. So how do you deal with that rejection? And you can see that in that interview. Um, you know, I think for me now, really focusing on diverse actors or really as a queer manager and a queer person, LGBTQIA, um, representation is extremely important to me. Um, and I'm really trying to build out that part of my roster as more opportunities come out. Um, but really like younger talent, I, I, I represent a few older character actors that I would say in their 40s, but that's really a difficult market. You know, and, and to anybody who's in that market that's listening to this, you know, you have to understand that there are so, and even for, like I was watching Little Fires Anywhere and those kids, or everywhere. And the, the kids are like, what, 15, 16? So by the time that they're in their 20s, they're gonna have a huge list of credits. Right. So when you're a 20 year old going up, when you come to this town and you're 23 and you're going up for those big roles, you're going up against these kids who are like living in Hollywood for a long time and these casting directors know and they don't really tell us that when we're we're entering this business oh
0: my god no i wish there i have lost so many roles to people who have been disney kids since they were 10 and I was playing in my backyard in the woods in, like, Kansas. Right. Like, <laughs> I, I can't, like, there's nothing I can do.
1: <laughs> there's nothing you can do, like, and you know what? You chose to live your life mm-hmm. instead of, like, immediately coming here, and, and and you went to school, but what what people don't realize is those are barriers. So think about 40-year-olds who are going up against people who've lived in L.A. now for 20 years and have, been working in television before the digital era even started, like, you know, it's hard to be competing against those people, especially in the older, in the older age. I mean, now, that goes to say, anything can happen and opportun- like, opportunities are growing and growing and growing. But for me and my own finding, it's, it's been a lot easier. And I just think because I'm a bit younger myself, I'm a millennial myself, I connect a little bit more with the younger generation. So mm-hmm. um, that's what I really try to focus on. Um, in terms of acting workshops, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what do you want to know specifically about acting workshops? What do you think is the thing that people like don't, what, what kind of questions do you, you and your friends normally find from it? Uh,
0: They don't know. People have struggle understanding if they're worth it, if people get actually um, useful reps out of them. I think people are curious if, you know, like they're paying to do it. So people are being paid to attend. So like, is, is it actually worth the time? What actually would stand out during these workshops? Um, Because I know so many people have done so many and they're just exhausted by them. And also when you've done enough, you've, well one, sometimes I like to go to workshops. This is gonna sound shitty because it reminds me how good I am (laughs) because I see other actors. No, it's true. Um, It's a
1: great ego boost.
0: It truly is, it really is. Uh, But then they're just so tired of being, you know, if, for lack of better term, the smartest person in the room, and still not getting meetings. So what has been your experience as a rep in workshops?
1: Yeah, well, so when i when I worked for my old company before, I, I mean I haven't gone to a manager workshop, I would probably say in three to four years because okay. I agree with you as the and and all actors, they're exhausting because a lot of time those workshops are filled with actors who just don't know and they're not trained and they're moving to Hollywood to be famous and be a star Mm -hmm. and you know how am I even supposed to have a kind of a dialogue with them? you know (laughs) they were it it was weird because then I was sitting there with like other managers of other companies and every manager and every person is so different but some people are sitting there and we're talking about oh I I signed this person and put him in his first movie and I knew they were a star the moment that I saw them and yada, 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 yada. And I'm over here in like ripped jeans being like, okay, if you really wanna know something, like move to LA and just be a yes person. Like hold the boom for somebody's web series, be the extra in somebody's show, meet people because soon that's gonna start rolling into other things and then you're gonna be, your work's gonna get out there and next thing you know, you're gonna meet a casting director like, but sitting there and telling people about how stars became stars. Like, is that realistic of what's gonna happen to them? No. Are they gonna leave there with actionable steps as an actor? No, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. Um, you know, you know. when I was first starting my roster, I did go to those workshops and, and was signing people, but, and I still maybe have a few actors on my roster that I maybe scouted at a workshop. So yes, every once in a moon you find that person who is just the right fit but most of the time it doesn't work out. And most of the time you feel like you're compete, like there'll be one great actor in the room that's in perfect in the market that you're looking for. And then you've got five people competing for that. It's mm-hmm. like, I'm not trying to compete against anybody to get talent. Like I want my talent and I to find each other, Yeah. Um, you know. What,
0: what would you better direct people to than a workshop? That's a good question. I mean,
1: Honestly, doing plays, doing theater, doing live performance, I think the greatest myth is that reps and casting don't attend live performance. And that is completely untrue. You know, being a person who comes from a theater background and comes from Chicago, you know, it's actually so refreshing when I, I'm invited to go to see somebody's show or I'm invited to go see something or or go to a stand-up show or an improv show, you know? That way you can see a person living and breathing in their creativity instead of this, like, planned-prepared thing that I'm doing specifically for a rep. Because also a lot of times what what people choose to present themselves with, the material, is actually completely opposite of what they would actually be in the market. Ooh, great. Um, and they don't see that. They don't see that. They're like, "Oh, I'm this type," and it's like, "No, no, 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 no. You're not that type because you're <laughs> because you're a quirky person. You may you may think you're a leading woman, but you're not. Leading woman is like drop dead gorgeous, and you've got like quirk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I think workshops can be really great, and I think what casting directors are doing right now on Instagram is really great because it's it's giving uh, knowledge and it's giving information, and now. Uh, casting directors are being able to connect directly with talent which i always think is is so special and unique paying a bunch of money of your hard-earned money that's that you're gonna end up having to put on in headshots and submit on actors access and do your la casting like you know is workshop the best thing i don't know i also think it's like a it's a it's a it could be a place of privilege too maybe some actors don't have any connections to the entertainment industry so that's how they start rubbing that whereas some people might come here and they have a bunch of friends who can refer them you know some people have those and some people don't i would say that those those workshops that have like the big reps in them you know that that could be good but also think like are you re- look at the rep research them see the caliber of actors they have and and do you really think that rep is going to be ready to sign you in this moment if you don't have any credits on your resume and you're you know like a normal type i hate to say this but just like a caucasian guy or a caucasian girl like it's going to be hard you know and especially if you don't have real material but if you're of di- diverse type with something unique and you know they might take a chance but if you have a few credits on your resume and you're that Caucasian guy or girl, um, you know, then there's opportunity there. But I think anybody who's just starting off and going to a workshop and hoping that they're going to get rep, I think that there's, there's much better uses of your money and your time. great. It's hard because remember like five years ago when all that workshop shit was going down? Oh, we'll and- never
0: forget it. We'll never forget it. It just turned me
1: so off from all of it. And so many actors just, and I remember that casting director who was like, if you don't go to my workshop, I'm not calling you into the room. Nope. And I've had that experience exactly. and I know what that was. And that's bullshit. And that uh, that does not make actors feel good. And that was not a good experience for many of the actors that I was with. So, I think you just have to be careful and really research because some of these places that are doing workshops have really changed their formatting and are really Mm -hmm. beneficial but I think you need to look at it more as an informational voyage than it is an opportunity to get read.
0: Yeah I think it's a great place to test material and to test stuff especially if you're not in a class if that's how you're meeting people um, but that's really good to know. You, you touched on it a little bit about like what casting directors are doing now. But what do you think like what would you encourage actors on your roster to be doing now during quarantine because right there's like a 1000 lives a day there's a monologue challenge there's a this there's a that like, what would you encourage people to be doing with this free time when and possibly extending till we don't, months ahead when there might not be filming stuff for a while, right?
1: Yeah, and I was just reading that I think productions are hoping, hoping to open in September. September.
0: And just think of the kind summer. of, <laughs> it,
1: it's gonna be a dry, hot summer. I mean, we've always been wanting to go to the beach. Well, I mean, who knows if we'll be able to go to the beach, but. Right.
0: It's so true. I haven't been to the beach in like a year.
1: <laughs> I know, maybe they'll open that up. Um, You know, I think first and foremost, I think that this is a time that nobody should feel pressured to really do anything. You know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of shame that's possibly going around right now with people being like, well, I haven't done this and I haven't worked on this. And there's all of these monologue challenges that are happening. I need to get on top of that. And like, no, we all just went through so much trauma through this pandemic experience. People have lost jobs, people's Family members have gotten sick or possibly passed from this. You know, people might not be able to pay rent because of this. Not only just the fear and the crazy. I mean, I'll never forget that day. That was the Friday that everything started shutting down and being at the grocery store and just what that felt like. And it took me a full week to even just get that energy out of my body. So I think first and foremost, it's like being kind to yourself and don't put pressure on yourself to think that you have to accomplish something. But I do think that this pandemic is allowing humans and many creatives for this big pivot in their life. Um, I know I can speak for myself that there's things that I've wanted to do. Like I'm really focusing on this rebranding of my company right now. And that's something that I've really wanted to do, but I haven't had the time to sit and settle down and like make that decision and step into it full force. So I think, this is a great time to marinate on, you know, what do you want to do and what are your goals and where do you see yourself in a year? And um, I think giving actionable steps to actors, it's like, if an actor is to tag, like I've been starting to do these artist profiles on my profile, where it's almost like, kind of just like press book. And I've got like four different slides of my actors of, of what they've done, their resume, their credits, you know, some, some editorial photos of them. And I've been trying to tag casting directors. And, and if they're looking for rep, I can send those to rep because everybody's on Instagram right now. Mm-hmm. If an actor was to tag me in a little like one sheet thing that they made about and that and that linked to their Vimeo page, I'll look at that in a heartbeat. So I think there's a lot of opportunity right now to be branding people and building your networks. Like, Before this pandemic, I wasn't following a lot of these casting directors on Instagram. And now I'm following all of that. Mm-hmm. and seeing all the information they're putting out so now i get to know kind of who they are what their style is maybe build a relationship with them you know the same thing as agencies agencies are doing all of these q a's and talkbacks so you get to meet them and they're they're asking questions because i think the longer this goes on the longer they're going to be like oh we haven't been looking for new faces this entire time we need to come back with a new roster a new strong roster and be scouting So I think that there's ways of actors to be marketing themselves at this time and to be getting their headshots out there and to be using Instagram and social media in a creative way. In terms of their acting, you know, participate in a self-tape, go to a class, a Zoom class, but don't forget these Zoom classes are not gonna be replacing acting class. Like Zoom classes from what I've seen is a lot of the instructor talking, but acting is an in-person, art you can't be acting with somebody if they're not there with you if you can't smell them if you can't hear them if you can't pick up on the nuances of their breath so
0: so hard i've been doing i've been doing my acting class every friday like i have this afternoon online and it's it's tough there's some things i've learned to make it better um but i just want to stand next to someone kind of because i want to listen
1: yeah (laughs) right i mean and the and the delay of technology mm-hmm. it's hard it's hard to be really present in your work and and when the camera's picking up on that you know so i think that's another thing too is honestly if if i would say anything to actors right now i was like take this time to just to focus on yourself to get grounded to get connected and make sure that you're okay make sure that your like finances are okay. I've been listening a lot to Suze Orman's podcast. I mean, I maybe people don't rec- recommend her, but she's really smart, you know, of like, don't be spending your money, save this money. If you can talk to all your people, like figure out these things in your life, these, these major temples in your life, and then think about your art and think about what other things other than acting you can do right now that are going to enrich yourself as an artist that will open up senses and open up Uh, empathy and allow you to be fully present when you do get the chance to be in front of somebody else Mm -hmm. and then try to market try to build some you know relationships because if you if you make one great relationship with somebody you know chances are when things get back to business that relationship's going to come back to you Um, but don't stress if you're just like you know what I just want this time to hide out things for me have just been crazy and I'm just going to sit on this unemployment check yeah, hoping you get it um, and you know ride this out but yeah don't be there's so much so many workshops and Q&A's and everything and you don't have to be going to five of those a day like yeah. at the end at the end of the day some of the information is going to be the same information over and over and over
0: yes I I can't agree more <laughs> that's what we all need to hear Um, you started uh, some brand consulting um, yeah. with your company. Will you tell me a little bit about that? And like yeah. what, because what you said about actors bringing in the wrong scenes for themselves. It, I still feel like some days I'm like, who am I?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So I'm curious about this.
1: Yeah, it's been a really, uh, actually a really rewarding experience so far. So one of my um, best friends from Chicago, we are roommates in Chicago, her name is Sarah Coakley. She owns her own PR uh, company. And her focus is multi-hyphenates. So she represents a lot of writer directors or writer poets or comedy writer actors or drag queens or musicians. All of these artists that work in yeah oh my god it's so fun she's got a great list of clients like one of her clients was um you know a new york times top selling list for her poetry another um was the director of this web series called brown girls now she directs for blackish i mean such a diverse and female and queer forward roster which is a a commonality we have between us. Um, but both of us have this background with small businesses and with entrepreneurs. And um, we, when we both lived in Chicago, we both worked for different PR companies. So we were like, OK, what can we do at this time to be of service? Just both of our She's a Virgo and Virgo Rising. Uh, <laughs> what can we do to be of service to help? And kind of answering like what your question was, was like, what can actors do in this time? Um, we are like, "Well, what can these artists do and maybe there's a lot of artists right now, like you know writer directors who have this project, but they don 't know what to do with this project." So we started doing free 30-minute consultations and we really just opened it up to any artist, any creative, like if you're a tattoo artist or if you're a calligrapher or if you own your own e-commerce site, you know, maybe you're an actor who, like acting's going well, but you need some business help on your business hustle, you know, that's kind of what we opened this up to. So we, we got all different kinds of people. I, I, we, on our first day, we met a, a journalist, we met um, a choreographer, Um, I had two actors that uh, met with us, both didn't have representation, Um, and just sat and kind of allowed, gave them space to hear A, how they're doing, B, like what problems are they having right now? And C, like what actionable steps can we give you? Um, You know, one guy, like one actor, uh, we didn't have representation sent us his headshots, his headshot session. And it was like, these headshots are great. But, like, these headshots don't tell me anything about the qu- – you, you have this dad picture, right? And here you are in your plaid and your dad. But this doesn't tell me what kind of dad are you. Are you the dad that has four girls and now is throwing a princess party and you have no idea how to throw a princess party and now you're struggling figuring out if this is the right kind of pink or if this bow is big enough? Are you the dad who's the grill master, that we want to go to every single barbecue you have so when you pull out that spatula at Home Depot – I'm like, oh my God, this guy's going to throw down at the grill. <laughs> or are you the dad who's like, I'm never having kids and these are my cats. Like, there's so, like, what are the stories that you're writing for these types within? And I think in the commercial world, that type of uh, being specific like that, that's what casting directors are looking for because all these different tones are going to affect, you know, the brands and and he he hadn't had anybody talk to him like that. And then we had a, um, we had a, uh, someone who used to be an actor, but now she's uh, a poet and a writer and she does brand language development for companies. And we just went through her materials and talked about her website and talked about, you know, um, if you're a brand language developer, how come brand language development isn't anywhere on your website? And why is this not clear here? You know, sometimes I think Creatives just need maybe more of a fine-tuned comb or somebody just to like even pass their ideas through. And a lot of times we talked about giving permission, right? Like we had a a journalist who has written for a bunch of of different places, uh, media outlets, but never really was promoting herself in her endeavors. And we had a a director who had a project that they promoted but never promoted themselves. So I was like, what's holding you back from getting in front of the spotlight and being like, this is me, this is who I am? Because I'm sure the moment that you put yourself out there and start promoting who you are, all of that work that you're kind of having this consultation for, right? It's like, how can I get more work? It's all going to come to you.
0: Mm-hmm. And also
1: at the end of the day, it's just nice to have somebody like to talk to and just talk about business for a second and, and talk about the industry and feel seen and heard. and. Um, it was really rewarding. We, we were like, Hey, if any, if even if one person hits us up and wants a consultation, we'll be excited. Well, in our first day, we got like 40 people to sign up. So it's cool. And it allows me to meet more artists. Now I've got a journalist that I, if I, any of my clients like, you know, needs some media and maybe they're a queer artist, I can go over to that journalist. And I think Sarah may have potentially met some new clients. So it's been really rewarding. And also at the same time, it's like any, we're not taking money for it. It's all for free. If you want to donate, we're making donations to Feeding America. So it's just like, how can though we use our own skills in this time to be of service? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's been really, it's been really rewarding.
0: That's so cool. Is there any, uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, uh, and I'll wrap you up in a sec, but is there, uh, the the common themes you're seeing through artists, because when we were talking yesterday, you mentioned that there's like a, people are kind of holding back from being their own uh, center of attention sometimes because we've talked about the imposter syndrome and I talked about that a lot on the last season of the podcast because I get it sometimes. I'm like, this podcast is all about everyone else and I'm just asking questions. Yeah, Um, So that's come up a lot, you said?
1: Yeah, it definitely has. And it's been a great reflection for me because now, like two years later of starting my own company, I really, for the first two years, have been like, I don't, I'm just going to hide behind this company, this MRK. This is my business. It's not about me. It's about my business. It's about my clients. And now two years later, I'm like, wait, I want to meet people. I want people to know who I am and what I'm doing in this town. And and I want to hear your stories. And I I want to meet you. I want to collaborate with you. So let me finally like own my own strength and my own courage and get out there and put maybe myself in the, in the spotlight for a little bit. Not from a place of ego, but from a place of want, of service and a place of collaboration. I think so many actors, you know, get shy and there's so many huge egos in this town and these you you just know them you know the people who are just like okay that person obviously loves themselves and they will talk about themselves forever and all the things that they do well i don't want to be like that because i it's not genuine for me to be like that but it is genuine for you to to share with people about what makes you special in a sense of connection and a sense of my art can heal and a sense of um I have stories that I've been telling that I want people to see I think we all kind of forget that we can give ourselves permission to you know stretch our wings we feel like we have to stay in line or maybe if we haven't to that part of our career that nobody's going to listen to us or oh
0: I know that very well <laughs> yeah
1: it's like there's no time but the everything in this pandemic is teaching me that there is no time but the present and I think this is a perfect moment for us to remember that and to not be taking anything for granted and to not sleep on our light or what makes us special and realize that there's a mass amount of healing that's gonna be happening right now through this pandemic. And the only way to heal is to put yourselves out there and connect to other people. Um, and also, like, know how to pitch yourself. Go, You know you're wonderful and you know you've got some great skills and strengths. Well, don't be afraid. If this town is the town of business and the town of selling, baby, go in there and sell yourself. Like, my gosh, nobody knows you better than you. Nobody's going to be able to talk to you about you better than you. So like, own that. Own that you're great at what you do. And own that you have something to bring to the table. I think so many people like second guess themselves. And I've done that. We've all done that. You were talking about how you've done that. And like, at the end of the day, does that cause us to grow? Does that cause us to challenge ourselves? Does that cause us to take the leap of faith that we've been craving taken, taking and no it doesn't so it's just about getting our own way getting out of our own way um yeah. i think this is the perfect time to do it it's like take those take those risky steps right now is really what i want people to know and I, it's,
0: it's awesome i love that's what i'm doing i'm like asking all sorts of people who had never asked to be on my podcast i'm like casting director i have no no connections with you, come meet me.
1: <laughs> and that's how I felt about you. I was like, wait, I'm like, never have done a podcast before. I'm going to go talk to Sam and be like, hey, wait, I'm the gay guy that Leah Huebner is talking about on your podcast. she 's
0: amazing, by the way. If you guys listen to Leah Hubner's episode, she mentioned the man that started her career, and this is him.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love Leah. Leah is just a bright shining light who just does amazing work. Um, and Leah, I think our mutual, my my client and our mutual friend, Caitlin, is, I heard you talking about her. She's one of my clients that I've known since college. And Leah was like taking her photos one day. And then I came across Leah. I was like, wait, these are amazing. These are exactly what I need. I'm sending you 15 people right now because you're affordable. Love and it. the next thing you know, her business just took off. And now it led me to you. And I'm so excited and so grateful mm-hmm. for that, and and now there's just so much more collaboration that's ahead of us. And I think, I think that's really like the blessing that's coming out of this time. All right, so
0: I could not agree more. There's small small victories all over town. This yeah. was so nice. Um, I know people are going to want to email you um, or follow you. Or where do you want to direct people to?
1: Yeah, so you can go to my Instagram page, mm-hmm. um, which is Mrk. M-G-M-T, which is basically management abbreviated. Mm -hmm. Um, My website is mrkmgmt.co. And if anybody's emailing me about representation or just, uh, you know, wants to send me their information, they can just send it to info at uh, mrkmgmt.co. And all of that is all over my website too.
0: And if you guys are going to email, please be bright, be brief, <laughs> be concise. <honest.
1: laughs> <laughs> that is some great, great, great advice.
0: <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. Thank you so much. I'm just going to pause our recording. And that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Matthew, thank you so much for coming on and being so real and cool with all of us actors who just want to talk openly with reps all the time. You really give us hope for the future and we are so excited to work with you. I'm telling you, people are going to email you like freaking crazy. Guys, if you email him, be cool. Don't be uncool. If you got that Real Housewives reference. Bonus points. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. I will be back with you next week. Please make sure to rate, review, and share this with a friend. Follow on Instagram at OneBrokeActress. Check out that Amazon shop. Check out the new stuff we have going on over there. This podcast was created and hosted by myself, Sam Valentine, with production help from Laurel Canyon Creative. And our theme song is from the ever-so-talented Maggie Zabo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will talk to you next week.